John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network, where we talk about finding passion, vision, and faith in your walk with Christ so that your life can overflow with joy, peace, and hope today. Today's show is a discussion about legacy. How best will we leave a legacy behind? Are we on the track of leaving a good legacy behind, or how will we be remembered These thoughts often come into my mind in the last 10 years or so, and as I get older, I begin to think about these things more and more. What kind of impact am I having on the world? What about just in my own world? What about in my family's life? What about my friend's life? What about my child's life? What about at my church? Where is the legacy in my life? How can I point to what I've done and say, yes, this is an indicator that I'm doing the right things. This is some of the discussions we're going to be Going over tonight, what does God's word say about leaving a good legacy behind? What are we supposed to do? Some tips and ideas behind the thoughts of legacy on tonight's show. It is important to just start the show with this simple fact. The Bible calls us, and you see this in Genesis when God talks to Abraham about, why'd you pick Abraham? And God says, I knew him. I, I He'd teach his children up to the fifth generation. He was going to teach others what God had given him. Abraham was going to leave a lasting legacy behind. Whether it was money or not is irrelevant. He was going to leave behind the faith, the faith of God, the faith of knowing that God created and is and has the ultimate plan for our salvation. Did you know, and, and just think about this for a second with me, that if all the parents in the world just all decided to not teach their children their faith, that the church is one generation away from dying. If no one on earth teaches the next generation about Christ, about math, about anything, that subject is likely to go away. Now, obviously, John, you would say, well, we need math. We have money. There's all sorts of things in the world that deal with math. You're right. And I can't collectively say that all the parents in the world will stop teaching people about Jesus either. But this is a thought process here, guys. We're talking about leaving a legacy. The legacy we leave behind can easily be non-existent. If you choose to not teach your child what you've learned, if you choose to teach them things that are wrong, we have now chosen to leave behind a poor legacy. We want to leave behind the type of legacy where not only our children, but those people who knew us, Say, man, they, that person really, they, they nailed it. They nailed some things in their life. Now, I'm not just talking about being wealthy for the sake of having a legacy. You don't get a legacy just by having money. 
You can have success by worldly standards by having money, but you can't leave a legacy just if you have some money. Here's what Song of Solomon say, an often, often quoted book of the Bible, Song of Solomon. In Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like a perfume poured out. I love this idea that like our names have a smell attached to them. This idea that people think about your names and it evokes memories, you know, because if you smell something, guys, if you smell a cheeseburger, or you smell a campfire or you smell, you know, a certain type of perfume as this verse is acquired, that you begin to think about the thoughts associated. You might think about when you were in Boy Scouts and you were around the campfire. You might remember cooking the s'mores. You might remember the special lady you took to prom. You might remember that awesome burger you had at that one place. You might maybe it's the smell of the ocean, and you remember like me that trip to Florida we took when I was like uh, about to be a I was about to be a freshman in high school. My mom and the family we all got in this Astro van. I remember, and we had a holiday down there in Florida on the beach, and I got so sunburned. I walked on the beach in Pensacola, I think it was. The first day, and I didn't put on any sunscreen, and no one had, I don't know if anybody told me to, and I didn't listen, I don't know where I was, but I know that I got so sunburned that the whole week we were there, I spent it, basically, me and my brother both, lying in pain (laughs) in uh, the hotel room, and I had all this aloe that kept getting rubbed on me. It was incredible. My whole back was just as, as red as a cherry, completely miserable for the whole vacation, in uh, that same vacation, my grandpa got in the ocean and lost his glasses and didn't even know what happened until afterwards. You remember things like this, smells and ideas. They can bring memories back to us. And those memories are the legacies, the legacies of our life. And the thoughts and the memories that we keep with us are so important to us. But we want to leave a lasting legacy for the memories of the people who are going to outlast us, our kids and their kids and our churches and our ministries and our jobs, we want to leave a lasting legacy to where our imprint on the world, especially the imprint that we are given by God. Remember, we want you on this show to find and walk out God's sentence for your life, to be a person who is actively pursuing faithfully the plan that God created for you in the womb. Jeremiah one five. God knew you in the womb. He knew you before you even came out and announced yourself to the world. And you've heard of DNA? Yeah, God gave you DNA, and through that DNA, he passed on so many things to you. It's the reason you like certain colors and the reason you like to wear certain types of clothes. It's also the reason that you have brown or black hair. It's the reason that you have blue eyes or the reason that you have white or dark skin. It's the reason you are the way you are. In fact, encoded in this DNA alongside all these other Things are gifts and talents that God gave to you. Irrevocable gifts, the Bible says. God has passed on to you. Whether you use them or not, he has given to you them to you as a gift, meaning that you didn't have to do anything to deserve it, just like a birthday, right? You have a birthday or maybe you have a birthday for someone in your life and you get them a present and you don't expect little Jimmy, six-year-old Jimmy, to get you anything in return. No, you are simply giving them a birthday present, a gift, out of the kindness of your heart, you are hoping that they open that present and they're just, oh my gosh, mom, this is the best present I've ever gotten. 
and you want to see the look on their face when they open it up and they tear into it and they're like, oh, can you open this? I want to play with it right now. God's given us a gift. Are you going to open it up and be so excited? God, I'm so, I didn't even know I needed this, but I wanted it so bad. I can't wait to open it and use it. Or are you going to open it up and say, well, this is not what I wanted. This is not the gift that I wanted, God. Even though God designed the gift to be exactly what you need in your life. Many of us might look at a gift from God and say, well, I don't want that. God gave me the gift of public speaking, but I was had a, a you know, the devil had put a, a deathly fear of public speaking into my heart. And you have to start leaning on God to get past it to use your gift in that way, or at least for me. Or are you maybe in this other camp of, of that you've never even seen or touched the gift that God has for you because you don't know what it is? Is it hiding under a tree somewhere? Is it on a shelf? Did you pack it away in a box and never think to open it? Are you unaware that it exists? God does have a gift for you, irrevocable gifts. Romans 12 talks about the motivational gifts in addition to spiritual gifts throughout the Bible that he's given to his people. You are no different. You are God's people. Whether you believe in God or not, you have a gift from God, a gift that can be used to fulfill God's sentence for your life, which is just our fancy way of saying God's plan and purpose for your life. And Jeremiah 29 says that he has a plan to give you a future and a hope, not to harm you or to hurt you or to give you an awful circumstance that you're going through right now, that difficult time you have because you can't (laughs) too much, too much month and not enough money, right? God has a plan for your life, and it will lead you out of the darkness of your past. It will leave you into the bright light of your future. But you have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and then you have to start walking out the steps, which we teach here on this show, are finding passion, vision, and then faith to walk out God's plan for your life. These things, when they're done, require you to put your trust and your faith into Jesus Christ. And Romans fifteen thirteen tells us that when you do that, when you put your trust in Christ, your life will overflow with joy, peace, and hope. And I don't know about you, I need more of that. You need more of that. We could all use a big scooping, helping portion of hope in our lives. I was just thinking the other day, why do we need hope? And where does hope come from? This leaving a legacy. It's all about seeing our future better than we once saw it feeling like there's a reason to wake up in the morning and not being affected by our past. Most recently, we've heard the story of Nasser, this uh, Olympic gymnast coach, and he was the coach at Michigan State, and he was just acquitted of just scandalous acts where he had abused and molested hundreds of women and girls and young girls throughout the course of his, his job, and he was given a sentence of 175 years in prison. Talk about leaving the wrong kind of legacy. His family, his life was driven to shame. People who weren't even doing the things that he did are now associated with the name Nasser. And as we talked about this verse in the Song of Solomon here at the top of the show, a name has a fragrance associated with it. A legacy is associated with the name. Well, John, what do you mean? Names bring memories to our thoughts. We just talked about how You know, a smell can do it, so can a name. When you think of the word Nasser now, you're going to think the memory you have associated with that name is one of, oh my gosh, he did those awful things. He is that person that, ugh, everybody hates right now in the world. And we're supposed to love our brother and we're supposed to show forgiveness, but it's difficult in times 
where you see a man molest hundreds of little girls and use his position of power in order to facilitate the opportunity. It's sad, it's disgusting, and it's sinful. And we think, God, how did you die on the cross for a guy like this? But there's still time for him to ask for forgiveness from Christ, for him to be redeemed if he's not already. And we want to see that take place in our lo- in his life if we're a true believer. But we have to reconcile the legacy that he's left behind, regardless of if he becomes a believer, if he is already. He's left a legacy of torment and pain and struggle behind. And the people have to move on from this moment in their life. And I love the story, by the way. I know this is off topic a bit, but the story of this girl, Rachel, the first girl who came out in defense of, or not in defense, in offense, I should say, against Nasser. The first girl who came up, her name was Rachel. I think Devonport or something like that. But her first name is Rachel. She came out and said that Nasser was committing these acts, and there was many people who were on Nasser's side and in his camp that promoted the fact that he, this girl was probably lying and trying to tarnish his name, his legacy. And she continued to be steadfast and strong in her pursuit to try and find justice over her connection to this man and what he had done to her. She tried to tell other people, and many people, even if they weren't listening, she was still trying hard. And eventually, the second girl came out, and then the third, and then eventually, even though it took a long time, even though he was he was caught and then was it later was still even able to do stuff. You think, how does, how did things slip through the crack? Well, the devil's got a foothold in every inch of life, folks. Don't forget it, that the devil will allow things to take place that are just inconceivable. How a man can get caught doing these things and still be able to do them later. But at the sentencing hearing, Nasser wrote a letter to the judge saying that he was unable to listen to all the testimony of the, I think it was 175 women who came forth to like tell their story and to speak to him directly to find closure, to address their deviant accuser, to not the accuser, the accused and bring an end to this chapter in their life. And he said he didn't want to hear it. It was hard for him to hear and that he didn't want to hear it. <laughs> and, the, and the judge is basically like tough. You're going to listen to this. You did all this. You don't get to hide and you know, you don't get to not feel guilty in your jail cell. You have to heal, hear this. And Rachel, this courageous girl, Rachel, she is the last one to speak. She was the very first one to speak in regards to bringing this whole court case out. And we're talking about legacy here on the new John Simmons show. Don't get away from me. Yes, this is a topical conversation, but it has to do with the the subject and the theme of tonight, which is what kind of legacy are you leaving behind? And what smell does your name have attached to it? Well, Rachel, who got up courageously to share her final thoughts before he was sentenced to 175 years and taken away for the rest of his life to spend behind bars, she was the first one, even though no one stood up with her at first, and many people called her a liar and tried to defend the man who we now know was very guilty of those crimes. Admittedly, he admitted to, of guilt. The judge said something that, I mean, just it's so profound now that I look at it, not, you know, not understanding what it's like to be 
a victim of this kind of crime, but understanding that it must be very difficult to overcome. She said that Rachel, just by standing up when no one was around her, what she did was empower an army of survivors to stand up and be able to fight back against the man who did this to them and be able to stand up and and find hope through the justice of this. And I really find that hope, justice does spring hope. That's why we like shows like, I like shows like Dateline, where you, you know you, you catch the bad guy who committed the crime. We really like to see the bad guy get caught. And this is, you know, our, our version of judgment. And we're not supposed to judge as Christians other people, but we have opportunities to be in positions to, as a, as a judge, to be able to hopefully be used by God to make correct calls. But off topic, we love to see this because it brings hope to our hearts. When you see something that's wrong and it gets righted, it brings hope to the future, just like in our lives. In my life, when I was a problem gambler and I had all this sin in my life and I was just, I was destined to, to fail and to, to struggle and to never feel like I made it in life, never feel like I was using my gifts, my talents, never using my time. I wasn't being successful. I wasn't leaving a lasting legacy. I was doing everything wrong. But then the justice that came through Christ, the righteousness that came when I asked for forgiveness of my sins, and Christ was able to bring justice down on the sins that were in my life. It was incredible for me to find a new hope through Christ, a hope that I'd never had in my life before. I didn't know what I was supposed to do with my future. I didn't know the type of person I was supposed to live and be. I was walking aimlessly through life, and you might be doing the same thing today. I want you and your family and your friends and your coworkers, I want all of us to know the hope that comes through Christ because I've experienced it for myself. But so much more exciting will it be if you experience for yourself the hope that comes through getting rid of the sin in your life through forgiveness from Christ It'll bring a a future into your life that you never thought possible and allow you to use your gifts and your talents to leave that lasting legacy. The word Nasser for a long time is going to have an awful stench associated with it. When you hear the word Nasser, you're going to think, oh, that evil guy. And, And to the point, even if you heard someone else's name who was not even associated with it, if they have the name Nasser, you're still going to think negative things. The same reason if I said, Oh, I don't like Jameses. You're going to think about all the Jameses in your life. Or you say, oh, I love Billy's or I love Alex. Names that we have, I can just put some out in the air right now. Joe, Jesse. These names, any names, not just the ones I'm mentioning, Becky, Rachel, all of these names. You'll think of the person that you know that has this name. Kyle, John, Robert, Megan. We have all these names that we know, and you'll begin to associate those names with people. Because names have fragrances attracted to them. When you think of that name, you think of if you like that person or not. You think of if that person's done you any wrong. You think of, you know, I knew a, I knew a Lillian. Lillians were the worst. <laughs> I did know a Lillian, actually. Uh, a funny side note, the only Lillian I've ever met personally was a woman that I worked with at the casino, and she ate mayonnaise and peaches mixed together for a snack. And I thought it was the grossest thing I've ever seen. 
that's not a lasting legacy uh, for me. I won't be adding that to my repertoire to teach my children. But off topic, our names have fragrances associated with it. This was what the Song of Solomon verse is talking about. Your name has a perfume associated. Is it a nasty smelling perfume like Nasser currently has? Hopefully he can find redemption somehow through Christ. Obviously he's he's paying for the punishment of his sin right now. And he may have to do it eternally too if he doesn't repent. I am thankful for God in our lives. And I'm thankful for the God in your life who wants to show you why you are here on this earth, why he gave you the gifts and the DNA when you were born that he gave you. The reason you live today can be to serve the kingdom, but you have to find it first and you have to want to actively seek it out because it won't just show up in your lap. He gave you an irrevocable gift, but you have to open it up. You have to say, God, this is a good gift. How do I use it? I don't know how this works. So much more to say on the subject of legacy. We're going to be talking about that on tonight's show, how you can build a legacy to leave behind a lasting, difference-making perfume in the air of this world. Don't go away. You're listening to The New John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Start writing or add to God's sentence for your life? What's to learn what that means? Visit NewJohnSimmons.com for articles and videos that can help you find a future and a hope for your life today. Now, back to the New John Simmons Show. And we're back here on the New John Simmons Show. So thankful you've joined us here. This evening, it is Friday. I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'm going to be trying out a new church this weekend. Moving over to my area, I'm looking forward to seeing what this is going on. Over at the old Toys R Us building, the Spirit Church, led by Aeneas Williams of St. Louis Rams fame. I'm looking forward to visiting this church and seeing what's going on over there. If you are a member of that church and you see me, hey, reach out. Say, hey, John. Hey, new John Simmons. Be lucky to hear from you. Speaking of keeping in touch with me, if you want to stay connected with the show, all you got to do is head over to social media. You can look for me at New John Simmons. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook on that handle. You can also look for the show, New John Simmons Show on Facebook and YouTube. We have videos posted. Of course, we have links to all of our past episodes and any blogs that I write or anything else that we're talking about, including wonderful pictures of my family and behind-the-scenes photos of my life and ministry. So, Head over to social media, your favorite app, whatever it is, besides Snapchat. I'm not on that thing yet. Uh, Yeah, my nieces are. I'm not. I don't think I'm cool enough yet for that. Anyway, New John Savage Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talking about leaving a lasting legacy behind, what do you have to do to be a person who finishes well, who is able to leave behind something that is worth talking about, not in a negative way? The Bible talks about Abraham, the father of our faith, was chosen because he was going to teach his children and his children's children. He was going to pass on the faith, it says. Passing on the faith. This is, if you want to look at it in a list of things to do in order to leave a legacy, in order to find God's sentence for your life, this should be at the top of the list. 
pass on the faith. If you've really become a born-again believer, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You really believe that. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that your old life should end, cease, and your new life should begin. So are you a person whose new life has begun? Are you actively pursuing your new life in Christ, becoming a, a different person than you are today, tomorrow, a year from now? Are you going to look back at five years and say everything you're doing is the same? Everything you're doing from your work to your family to where you go on vacation to what you eat for lunch, is everything going to look the same? Or is God going to transform your life from the inside out, day by day, year by year? Whether you're a brand new believer or you've been born again 50 years, if your life isn't turning over and becoming a new life, if you aren't finding new areas of God in your life, there might be some lack in legacy building. Because if you're not growing closer to God, how on earth are you going to pass it on to others? And I'm not just talking about your family, although obviously that's the person and the people we have the most influence over. What it, what about people who don't have families, don't have a, a child to pass it on to, don't have brothers and sisters? Well, you're going to be able to pass on the faith like me to other people. We're going to be able to talk to other people, our friends, our coworkers, strangers. Maybe we'll just be able to do it through our job or just by the way we act. Maybe someone will see something we're doing and know that we're doing it for the Lord and they'll be turned to ask God into their hearts because they want to live a life where they're able to follow God like we do. Our life is salt and light, the Bible says. Are we going to act like it or are we going to hide our lives in the darkness? Meaning we're not going to talk about God. We're not going to share God. We're not going to actually be changed by God. We're not going to let God change our lives to the point where we're able to then pass on what we've learned and be able to behave differently than we once did to be evidence and proof that God is in our life. If I'm the same problem gambler that I was five years ago and I sit on the radio and tell you that I'm a born-again believer who Jesus Christ has transformed my life and changed everything in it from the inside out, I'm a big fat liar. My life should not look the same when Christ comes into it because I know the power of Jesus Christ, and the power of Jesus Christ is that he transforms us. The power of the Holy Spirit is real and evident in my life, and I get fired up about it because it's hard for me to watch people continually go down the same path in life, not changing jobs, not changing directions, not trying to evangelize. This is the big one. Why are people so afraid to talk about Jesus? Why are you afraid to tell your friends and your coworkers and your family about Jesus? You talk about what you did last week. You talk about what you watched at the movie theater. You talk about your favorite sports team. You talk about what your favorite recipe is on Pinterest. Are those things more important to you than the faith that you have in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I'm not saying that every sentence you have needs to be directed in the about your attitude and your faith in Christ. But me hearing people tell me that it's hard to share Jesus with people, get over yourself, man. Jesus died on the cross for you. If you had a buddy, let's let's take this in another account. So if you if we were at war and there was a guy in your platoon who took a bullet and died for you, that guy would you would remember that guy for the rest of your life. You'd remember his birthday. You'd probably hold special holidays for him. You'd probably make sure you reached out to his family often and constantly to just be like, oh, I just this man just affected my life and, and dramatically. And, you, and you'd watch out for his family. 
and you'd just think about them all the time and you'd be so thankful for them. Yet Jesus did even more than that man, including die for you. And yet we often don't even recognize that he did these things. We're afraid to tell anybody. Can you imagine if a man really died for you on the battlefield and you didn't come home and get some sort of blue ribbon or yellow ribbon and put it on your shirts and hang it outside your wall and you wouldn't tell the story of someone dying for you on the battlefield? Of course you would. We hear stories like this all the time. If someone does something important for you, even if they didn't die for you, you'll tell the story of someone who helped you you know, put your groceries in the car. You hear stories on people put on Facebook. Oh, the guy behind me bought my, you know, paid the three dollars extra that I had, you know, I didn't have in my pocket for my order at Walmart. We get tear-eyed over that stuff. We have no problem sharing the stuff that people do for us, except for when it comes to Christ. It seems like oh, it's hard to talk about Christ. I hear this so many times. It's hard to talk about Jesus. It's hard to share my faith. It's not hard to share anything else in your life. You talk about what matters to you. Here's the thing. The legacy we leave is about what's in our heart, what's important to us. That's Abraham. God was important to Abraham. Abraham passed on the faith because God was important to him, and he talked to other people about it, his friends, his family. He passed it on not because he knew he was supposed to, but because it was important to him. And we talk about the things that are important to us. So if the things that you talk about all the time, when you walk into a room, they're like, how are the kids? And you go on and you tell them, yeah, well, Becky's in, in soccer now, and Mason, he's, he's just running all over the place and playing baseball and doing all these other things. Oh, yeah, where's your other half? Where's your wife at? Oh, yeah, she's working. Yeah, she got to work. She got that new job. And you talk about that for 10 minutes. But where's the conversation about Christ? Does it have to be every conversation? No. But if it's important to you, it's going to come out. If it's important to you, you're going to be like, yeah, I was at church this weekend and uh, we did this potluck thing, and I, you know, I was trying to make this this de- this meal for it, and I, I had the hardest time making this meatloaf for this potluck. In that conversation, you're not talking about Jesus specifically, but you're talking about what He's done for you. I'm at church all the time. I'm trying to help out. I'm trying to serve. I'm trying to try new things. The legacy that we leave behind is talking about what's important, doing what's important. Are we going to have a job that's important that helps create wealth in our lives so that we can leave behind wealth for those people that we love? Are we going to use our gifts and talents to serve other people because we love them and we want to leave a legacy behind in their life as well, one where they can have help from us even if we're not around to give it? We talk about what's important to us. Here in St. Louis, the Cardinals seem to be important to a lot of people. We've got like 10 radio stations devoted to talking about the St. Louis Cardinals, and people won't even turn, including on this station, and people won't turn on the conversation about Jesus because it's not important to them. It's not important to us. Christ died for us, and if it was in any other circumstance, we would have no problem lifting up stories like this. Guy I went to high school with, haven't talked to since high school, saw him sitting next to, next to Michelle Obama at the presidential State of the Union address a couple years ago. He was a soldier who had, was injured in Afghanistan or something. I don't know the exact details horrendously injured this entire body he's been in rehab ever since he's i see him pictures of him on facebook in wheelchairs and things like this but this guy has an incredible testimony of overcoming this tragic event obama even said something to the effect of like this is the most courageous person that i've met in my years in office this guy i went to high school with 
the legacy that he's leaving behind of overcoming these tragic things is important for people. People are going to remember the things that he's doing, the way he handles himself, the way that he speaks. In fact, it's even leaving a lasting legacy for Obama, former President Barack Obama. So the legacy that we leave behind is how we act, what's important to us, and what are we doing with our lives. If Christ isn't important to us, we're not going to talk about him. So if you're a person who says, well, it's really hard to talk about Jesus, maybe it's because he's not important to you. Maybe you need to do some really, some inner, you know, look at yourself on the inside, whatever that word is. There is a chance that maybe God isn't important to you. Maybe God's plan for your life isn't important to you. And that's okay. It wasn't for me 29 years of walking and picking out everything that I wanted to do myself. What's my plan for tomorrow? I think I'm just going to wake up and watch TV all day. What's my plan for the next day? Well, I think I'm going to go to work maybe and I'll leave early and then I'll complain that I don't have enough money on my check and bet on another sports game. Maybe I'll figure out a way to drive to Tunica. These were the thoughts that were in my head. How am I going to lie because I owe so-and-so $800? How am I going to get that money from somebody else and pay him? And then I've got the payday loan out at the one play. These are the <laughs> these are the constant thoughts in my head because I was making all the wrong decisions. The legacy that I was about to leave, had I died at 29, had I given up my life, had I lost it in any way, the legacy that I would have left behind would have been none. No legacy. No one would have remembered me outside of my family. And in a, a generation from now, I would have been just as extinct as, as the faith of Jesus Christ would be if we stopped sharing it. My story wouldn't have been worth sharing had I not been able to find Christ and overcome my addiction. I would have been just another tragic tale of someone not getting their act together. That's what sin does. It causes us to not keep our act together. It may be done in a way that looks okay on the surface. You know, maybe you're a family and you got your two kids and you got your two car garage and you, you know, you've got your nice house and you go to a nice school and everything seems to be working out. You don't really have any problems, but church isn't, uh, you know, a thing you need to do. And, you know, I've prayed before and I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. This is not, (laughs) this is not the path to heaven, first off. And second off, if you really knew Christ, he would be important to you. You would talk about him. Are your kids important to you? You talk about them. Is your job important to you? You talk about it. Is your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse important to you? You talk about them. Is Christ important to you? Do you talk about Christ? When I was working at the casino and I'd just gotten born again, all these radical changes were taking place in my life. I mean, I was just reading the Bible, reading through the Gospels, realizing there was a couple things in my life I wasn't doing right. And I had all these conflictions in my heart, like, man, I don't think I'm supposed to, I should probably, I don't think I should be drinking anymore. Man, I think I got a potty mouth. How am I going to get rid of this potty mouth? I mean, I was a, I was a sailor boy. I was cursing up a storm back in the old days. Using the Lord's name in vain was one of my favorite things to be doing. And I had a lot of conviction about my mouth once I got born again. And I started to make little changes in my life. Not because I knew it was the right thing to do, but because the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit was now present in my life. I knew the Lord was talking to me. I could hear his voice, and I was trying to follow him in the direction that he was going. I was trying to find God's sentence for my life, but I had no idea what that was at the time. I was just trying to serve God. And when I started to do these things, people around me started to notice. And they started calling me the new John Simmons. It's why we call this show the new John Simmons, because I became 
a new creation in Christ when I was born again. And you can become the new you by becoming a born-again believer and walking out the sentence God has for you. You can be the new you. New your name here. But when I was at work, I was working at the casino. People were noticing that my life was starting to act differently. They're like, John, you're smiling a lot more. John, why aren't you going out and smoking with us? These things were taking place. And I would start to talk about Jesus and how, you know, I was just reading the Bible a lot, you know, and I would talk about how, yeah, I got born again. I had this incredible experience where Jesus talked to me. And and eventually, when I had all these friends at the casino, I mean, all of my friends, all of my adult friends were people, it, at that point in my life when I got born again, were all casino workers, people I had worked with the last 10 years. Those are, That was my friend group. I had alienated everyone I knew outside of the casino so much that the only people I could get to hang out with me were people I worked with. And these guys hung out with me. We would sit together at the poker table and at the break room and we'd hang out and we'd go see movies together. And and many of them were probably just hanging out with me to get my money at some point, but that's okay here nor there. But when I got born again and I started to act differently in my life, started to leave a different legacy behind for my name, we would go into the break room and we would spend time together. We'd eat lunch, eat dinner there right in the cafeteria. And slowly but surely, less and less often were my former friends and friends who I thought were still my friends sitting near me when I was at the casino in the break room where I worked. There were times we'd have to push tables together so that all of us could sit near each other. But the more and more I talked about Jesus because my life was changing. I talk about you know the new Bible. I wasn't doing it to actively minister to them, by the way. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get all my friends saved. No, I was talking about what was going on in my life. The same as if I had bought a new car, I would have been talking about it. Or the same as if I would have got a new girlfriend, I'd have been like, oh, man, this girl, we're going out tomorrow night. We, you know, we saw this thing, and, you, and she said this funniest thing, and her mom was doing this. And you know, my conversation in the break room and the conversation that I had with them was always about what's going on in your life. And when Jesus showed up in my life, that's what the conversation was about. So I talked about Jesus, and more and more people started to run away from me. It wasn't hard for me to talk about Jesus. It became hard for them to listen. Eventually, I would start sitting by myself in the break room. And that's when I realized that something in my life was really changing. There was one day in particular that a guy I was really good friends with yelled at me outside because I was talking about Jesus, and he said, Would you stop talking about Jesus? No one even asked you, and he said it with a few expletives. I remember this, and I mean, I just remember thinking, how could I have offended you so much? I wasn't even talking to him, by the way. He was just happened to be within earshot. The name of Jesus offends people. Maybe that's why people think it's hard to talk about them to other people. But the truth is, is that if it's important to you, you're going to talk about it. That's why God chose Abraham to be the father of our faith, because he was going to talk about what was important to him. God was important to him. Where is God and the importance of your life? If you realize where God is on the importance of your life and you start talking about Jesus in the same way you talk about family, friends, work, hobbies, your favorite baseball team, you're going to find that you're going to begin this process to leaving behind a great legacy. Legacy for the kingdom, legacy for your family, legacy for this city. God has a great plan for your life. You're not going to want to miss this one. But you can sit it out. You don't have to choose to use the gifts that he's given you. You don't have to choose to faithfully walk down the path that he has for you. You don't have to. It's not, it's not a pre-requirement. You can even get born again and not do any of these things.
You do not have to find God's sentence for your life to be with me in heaven, hanging out with Jesus. But you do need to find faith in your life to walk out God's sentence if you want to leave a lasting legacy, one that's kingdom-driven. The people who did it in the Bible are listed in Hebrews 11 because they walked out their life in faith. By faith, Noah built a boat. By faith, these are the, the, the words... The sentences of Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham went to a land that he knew nothing of. By faith, Enoch was taken up. By faith, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, all these people, by faith, by faith, by faith. They knew God, and they did something by faith, and now their stories, their legacies are recorded in the Bible. There are still books being written today. There are angels in heaven writing down our idle thoughts, the things that we do with our life, there is still time. You still have air in your lungs today. God has a plan for you, a plan to leave a lasting legacy that shares the faith with other people. But you have to have God in your life, and he has to be important. If God is not as important to you as your favorite baseball team or as your spouse or as your kids, and if you put your kids above God, it's going to be very difficult to leave this lasting legacy because you're going to be trying so hard to leave something important and something worthwhile for your children. But the best way to do it, the biggest Riches, the biggest plan, the biggest opportunities that you can leave behind for your children, your family, come from walking out the plan God has for you. But if God's not important, that plan is not going to be important. How can you walk out God's plan for your life if you don't think God's that important? It's easy to talk about God, especially for me, because I know what his plan is for my life. I know what he's trying to do. It might change from day to day, from week to week, from year to year. But God's plan for my life is always what I'm seeking out, always what I'm trying to figure out and always what I'm trying to pass on to those around me. I love Jesus, and I want to talk about him all the time. Talk about him with you. Talk about him with your mama. <laughs> Give me a call one day. We'll talk about it here on the air. So much to say about legacy. I want you to leave a lasting legacy here in this new year. Don't go away. We're going to come back and continue this conversation here on the New John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Find vision. Find faith. You're listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Welcome back to the new John Simmons Show here on the Testimony House Network. If you are interested in helping us on our program, we need some people behind the scenes to help us with phone screening and editing and all sorts of fun work, including sharing our message across the internet and across social media. This could be a plan for you. If you have a heart for sharing Christ, this is one of the gifts God has given you. Even if you don't have a, a background in video or radio or audio, uh, we want you on our team. We want you to contact us, reach out to us. You can head over to newjohnsimmons.com, look for the Be Part of the Network tab. You can also just email us directly, john at testimonyhouse.org or call 314 800 3184-314-800-3184 to get connected with one of us on the team on how you can be a benefit to helping people find God's sentence for their life and using your God-given gifts and talents right here in the area of ministry today. A good name leaves a lasting legacy. What is the name 
that you are leaving behind. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Your name is greater than any amount of money in your bank account. At least that's what the Bible says. A good name should be chosen rather than a full bank account. If you had to choose, I'm going to leave behind a lasting legacy or a bucket full of Donald Duck swimming in the in the tank of gold 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 pieces. You you pick the name. A good name has a fragrance associated with it that is pleasant to smell. People will remember your name. Even if it's not your name they're remembering. If I just throw names out in the wind, Andrew and Philip and Henry, Jackson, Margaret, if the second you hear a name that you know, you'll think about a person and what they've done in their life. You're going to think about the things they've done well, the things they've done not well. Our name, our name leaves behind a legacy. And if we try to develop a relationship with Jesus that teaches us to do things differently than we've done them in our old life and do them the way that God asks of us and try and flee from the sin and throw it off ourselves like a coat and run towards Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, we're going to find joy, peace, and hope. And we're also going to find ourselves leaving behind a name that is going to be pleasant to hear. When people say your name, when you're gone, and even before you get there, your name is going to be associated with the actions and the benefit you have on this earth. If you are a person or you know someone who's just been a leech their whole life, me, I was like this. I was a guy who, I mean, constantly begged and borrowed and pleaded and lied and grasped at everything just to keep himself afloat financially. But I had no problems doing any of these things because I thought I was living the life that was going to make it. I was going to be this famous poker player. And there was going to be no problem. The only reason people had a problem with my addiction because I hadn't won that big poker tournament yet. For you, you might feel that you're not leaving a a bad legacy behind because you look like everyone else in the world. You've got kids and you've got a house and you've got a nice car and you've got a nice job and everything seems to be going well. But God's plan for your life is to leave a lasting legacy for you to pass on the faith, meaning you've got to get yourself realizing that God's important to you so you talk about him so that you pass him on. You have to talk about Christ to pass him on. It's just like passing on instructions. I can't tell you how to do the job that I do without actually telling you how to do it. I can't train you on your job. You couldn't train me to do your job without actually telling me how to do it. You couldn't pass on and train the guy who's going to come behind you so that you can get that promotion unless you talk to them. God's talking to you. He's giving you the opportunity to find and develop and mature in the gifts and talents that he's given you, but you have to first listen for his voice. John 10, 27, the Lord speaks to us, and when we hear him, we should follow him. Not only does God speak to us today, but he's also showing us where to go. If you're walking an aimless life just like I thought I was, completely void of any direction, completely unable to hit any targets in my life because I didn't have any targets, I didn't know where my life was going to be in one year, five years, ten years, not even five minutes that I know where my life was going to be. But I had this inkling in my heart that there was something more in my life, that there was more out there in the world for me, that this is not the legacy that I wanted to live. Part of the reason I went into rehab before I found Christ for the last time, my last time in rehab, I mean, 90 days in a program clean, 
because I knew that there was something more out there. And at 29, I didn't want my legacy to be that I was this problem gambler. And I tried to get help the world's way. And rehab broke me just as much as it fixed me. I realized that there was no hope for me in the world's way. Rehab was supposed to fix me, and it didn't fix me. I was told I was supposed to live one day at a time and deal with my addiction and deal with the thoughts of it all day long. Couldn't live like that. It was harder for me not to gamble than it was for me to gamble and deal with the consequences. True story. I would rather go broke and deal with the, having to borrow and steal and lie than to not gamble and like be worried about it all day long. Like be so thirsty for gambling that I couldn't think or do anything else in my life. It was, I was distracted. I wasn't living a life. I, I was worried about gambling and not doing it every five seconds. Don't gamble. Don't gamble. Don't gamble. That's not a life to live. I couldn't think about tomorrow. I couldn't think about the future. I definitely couldn't think about leaving behind some legacy where I help other people and I serve God with my gifts and talents. I couldn't intentionally find what I was supposed to do in my life. I knew there was something out there for me, but I didn't know how to find it. That's what rehab was supposed to do. Fix me and put me on a new path. But instead I found more heartache and destruction in my life. And it wasn't until after I went on a bender after my 90 days cleaning rehab that I finally cried out to God at 29 years old. God, I wasn't even sure existed and said, God, if you're real, I need you to show me a future and a hope for my life because I just don't have one anymore. And in that moment, I heard the voice of God in my mind say, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. The kingdom of heaven is upon you. It started to repeat, and I honestly thought that I was going crazy. I was finally hearing the voices in my head. I'm sure we're supposed to show up because I was so depressed and suicidal. I ran into the living room of my apartment because I wanted to get away from the bedroom I was sitting in where I was hearing voices. Compelled to open a Bible, the only Bible that sat in my house, and the only reason I owned a Bible was because my dad died when I was 12 years old, and it was in his possession, and it was given to me. And I'd held on to it simply because it was an artifact of my father's life and not because it was the word of God. I decided to open it up to the first page of the New Testament because I knew that's where Jesus was. I felt compelled to open this Bible. And just a few paragraphs into the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, it said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is upon you. This was the moment I realized God was real, he was speaking to me, and that my future was going to be different. I didn't know anything about legacies then. I didn't know anything about finding God's plan for my life then. But I knew that there was going to be a hope and a future for my life. I had just had my prayer answered. It took six months for him to deliver me from my gambling addiction. It took just as long for me to figure out what, <laughs> how, how on earth I, I live a, a, a godly life while working in a casino. And apparently it's, you can't. I, I, found a, I found that I needed to ask God what his plan was for my life. And he finally revealed it to me. Start a ministry called Testimony House. Share my story with so many others. And ultimately told me that I was going to share with others that they were going to find God's sentence for their life. That's why I'm talking to you today. Not because I've had this brilliant idea that I've somehow figured it out. I was a dumb poker dealer, but God showed me that you are going to find God's sentence for your life. Conversations like we're having right now are going to help you figure out that God has a plan for you. You're going to realize it. And you're going to start asking God, God, show me. Give me revelation knowledge, as Ephesians 1 says. You can pray for spiritual wisdom and insight. And you can be revealed God's plan for your life. And when you start walking it out faithfully, you're going to see joy, hope, and peace come overflowing into your life. Because that's what the Bible says happens. 
Don't take John's word for it. Look at Romans 15, 13 yourself. The legacy you leave behind is going to be known or it's going to be unknown. Don't leave one like Nasser. Leave one like Christ. One where people know your name and they are excited to talk about you. If they know you. Guys, that's going to do it for tonight's show. The legacy you have can be built on the sentence God has for your life. Pray and ask God to find it. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your chance. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. That's it. That's all you got to do. Confess with your mouth. Jesus, you are Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Come into my life now, Lord. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. It takes belief and faith. Your legacy can start today. Find God's sentence for your life this year. It's the new year. It can be the new you. Guys, head over to newjohnsimmons.com to pick up on past episodes. The Apple iTunes store holds them as well. Just search for New John Simmons. You can also find us on Facebook at New John Simmons on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and the New John Simmons Show on YouTube and Facebook as well. Lots of ways to stay connected with the show. But we will see you again next week, though, live here on Monday. So until next week, guys, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today. Thanks for listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. To replay this episode or listen to past episodes, look for the new John Simmons Show podcast on your mobile device. Stay connected to the show. Read the latest news, blog posts, and see behind-the-scenes photos by following at New John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to learn more about how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life, or join a growing community of people who are finding passion, vision, and faith for their lives, please visit NewJohnSimmons.com. Until next time, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today.